0: This is Alex, and this is James, and you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast.
1: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. It's July 7th, a very eventful week for Evertonians. We had a lot of stuff go on, but to kick things off, we are very happy to be joined by Cole from the newly formed Everton, Kentucky supporters group. Cole, welcome on. Thanks for having me, guys. So, uh, so you've you've I guess made made your uh, debut in the Twitter game, but you guys have had a Facebook group for some time. So, tell us a little bit about the start of Everton, Kentucky. How things sort of how you got the ball rolling and how things have kind of proceeded from there.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, actually, last season uh, we first got together it was me and three others, and uh, we actually first got together at a uh, a pub that was uh, a Liverpool supporters group home base. Um, so we actually, it was for the, uh, for the Derby. And, uh, after, after that match, we decided, Hey, we need to do our own thing. Um, found another pub and just kind of made it our own. Uh, started getting together on the weekends, watching the matches. Then recently, uh, we said, Hey guys, you know, there's gotta be more, uh, Evertonians in the area. Uh, let's look to expand slowly, uh, created a Facebook group by then the, uh, the numbers grew and then just in the past week or so. Uh, we made a Twitter page, and it's just gotten an unbelievable amount of support um, from from you guys and from other uh, Everton groups in the U.S. Um, and I think we're up to you know around 150 followers now, and have have gained um, a, a small group of supporters in in Kentucky. So it's just been absolutely incredible.
0: That's awesome to hear. I, I kind of wish I had the time or the uh, that well, really just the the burning desire to do that here in virginia because i know there are plenty of evertonians in the area it just comes down to being super busy but i'm glad you did it and you got to show up the reds that you joined initially oh, how yeah. many were there in that pub you think probably a good Ooh, amount There
2: was yeah there was at least 20 and yeah, that was the that was the rough uh december match um, oh oof. man
0: well we're, we're gonna we're gonna okay we're gonna cut this piece right here yeah. <laughs> <year>, man because <laughs> no i'm i'm messing
2: <laughs> so um yeah it was kind of after then uh we, we got a there was a there was a bit of um unwanted banter there but um yeah i mean we found another another pub and uh we just had a a, a great deal of support from them they actually uh hung an everton scarf for us and thinking about naming awesome. um i think they're naming a sidebar the Gladys street or or something along nice. the lines so yeah it's it's really awesome so I think we're up to about you know 25 um, local wow. in our Facebook page. So really looking forward to uh, this upcoming season and you know just getting a solid group to watch the matches.
1: So have you guys gotten any kind of – have you done any kind of official – because I know there's some sort of process that you can go through to get officially yeah. signed up as a group.
2: Right. We're in the midst of that now. I believe you have to have at a least 10 members minimum. So like I said, we had a solid group of four – um, last season and and now we're up to twenty five so hopefully uh we can get all that filed um i believe one of the gentlemen is uh working on that um so that's just that's definitely something we're gonna look to do and and beyond that eventually you know make our way over to goodison um you know obviously before they start the new stadium but just just hearing about the history of goodison and from uh from you know local people that's just incredible so
1: so, so tell us a little bit about uh, your kind of what brought you to Everton in the first place. How long have you been a fan? What was the what was what was the thing that originally drew you to Everton? And uh, yeah, I guess just give us a little bit of your personal backstory.
2: Yeah, I mean, personally, uh, I grew up playing soccer, played it all my life, um, but it was until. Uh, Probably about high school, um, maybe late middle school, where I had a buddy who's a big Chelsea fan, and uh, I would you know spend the night at his house on the weekends. We wake up and watch uh, football in the morning, and he was like, you know, why don't why don't you have a club or anything? And I was you know just right at that time, popularity of uh, the Premier League was just just getting on its feet. So, uh, but you know, I watched a couple Everton matches. I um, believe it was uh, Del Feu's uh, first season at the club. Yep. Um, and just, man, watching him and Lukaku tear it up, those were, those were the days. And I was just really drawn to Everton then. And just over the years, just I just got back from a trip in Europe, actually, and met some Evertonians in Budapest. And just talking to them was just so neat. And just It, it truly is the people's club.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it's the community, even like through, even though, you know, you're not in Liverpool, like the online community. And I think you'll find on Twitter, especially like it's a pretty welcoming and, and really inclusive group and everyone for the most part, you know, people have their opinions, but everyone tends to get along fairly
2: well. Oh uh, yeah. So <laughs> a, bit, a bit negativity at this uh, point in time, but especially with the preseason match, I'm sure you'll be talking about later, but Fans are kind of quick to forget that hey, it's the first season of the game, and you know we have probably one starter in the lineup this morning. But you think only yeah. one? Uh, I'd say probably, <laughs> uh, probably only Andre Gomez. Yeah.
0: Well, I could agree yeah, absolutely, Andre Gomez. I don't know. I was thinking Stecklenberg would uh, uh okay. <laughs>
2: right. take a spot over Pickers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Anyway, so moving on, we are about an hour removed from the USA women winning the World Cup back to back. This is their fourth World Cup title in history. How big is that for soccer in the United States? I, th- I mean, it's big. It's it's
1: obviously monumental. It's significant. Anytime that, that you have a, cl- a team representing your country, be proving that they're the best in the world. I think it's an important statement. But at the same time, and this is in, in no way to diminish the accomplishment, it's the U.S. women have just proven to be so dominant that it's almost like the expectation that they're going to win or, you know, it's not a surprise. Nonetheless, I thought the game itself was, I mean, they were on the front foot for the most part. Netherlands kind of looked out of their depth a little bit. And it was just a a matter of time, really, before the U.S. were finally able to break through. And I thought that the the refereeing was honestly pretty shocking for the most part. And then that last bit, the VAR uh, penalty was actually a, a really important and I think, a good, um, good evidence for why VAR should be in the game, because that's a clear pen with the high foot comes high, no contact with the ball. And then after that, the game, they just kind of coasted to victory from that point on.
2: Yeah. And I, th- I think it was huge for the women's national team. I mean, it's such an accomplishment for them to have, uh, you know, repeated it again and just successfully blend, uh, the younger players with the older. And I mean, look, big Rose Lavelle, that was, That was a sick. She's great. That was nasty. I mean, and then you even look and further into the future. I mean, Mallory Pugh, like she's incredible, and they've just got such a good thing going there. Um, you know, something that unfortunately the men's team doesn't have. Uh, obviously in a rebuilding uh period where you just see um a bunch of younger guys, but you know the women's national team to be able to do that and blend the young with the old and just accomplish what they accomplish is just absolutely incredible.
0: Now today we finally got to see. The 2019-2020 Everton home kits in action in the preseason match. We're not going to talk about the preseason match yet, but they claimed I think that the the design was based off of the girders at Goodison Park, I believe. Kind of like last season, you know, the the trim on the sleeves were from some other piece of the stadium itself. What do y'all think about the kit itself? Uh, what do you think about the fact that it's taken till you know July to be announced? Well, I actually have a couple of issues with how the kit was released. By the time
1: it was released, we had already seen it leaked several hours before because the instant that Everton tweeted that they, you know, they announced the announcement. And as soon as they did that, then all these leaks came out and which turned out to be accurate of the kit. And then, of course, you've got all your people who hate it, all your people who like it. I personally like the kit, but it just kind of took a lot away from it being leaked. So immediately, it just seemed like the club didn't really have a handle on, on who had what. And apparently they trusted some supporters groups or some accounts with early images. And those clubs obviously took advantage of that. Um, so I, I take issue with just the way the the rollout was handled on top of the fact that it's now like two months after many other clubs have revealed it, but the kit itself, I really like, I think the design is, is subtle. Um, the colors are nice. It's obviously they stuck with the blue, um, The one thing that I hate more than anything is the angry birds on the sleeve. I just, (laughs) I can't get behind it no matter how much people will try to tell me that it's fine. And I appreciate that the response are giving money to the club, but it just, the aesthetically and I just, I just can't do it personally, but that's just my, that's just one man's opinion.
2: Yeah. Personally, I don't, I don't understand the, delayed release i mean richarlison has been in brazil for at least the last month um obviously those photos were taken before then so i I don't get why they held on to it for so long um the kit itself uh I, i like the idea of the significance behind it but at the same time it's it's pretty basic um they probably could have done a lot more with it but, you know, I think that's what we've been seeing out of Umbra the past couple of years. So we'll see how long, how much longer they uh, remain our sponsor. But um, overall, it's grown on me a lot. It looks it looks a lot better um, on person and, and on pitch. So uh, just as long as we can produce results, uh, that's all that matters.
0: All right. We really appreciate having Cole on the show. He had to skip out and we started a little late. So it feels a little abrupt, but bear with us. So James and I have a pretty big announcement, right, James? Big announcement. Exciting stuff. We're really excited about it, actually. And we've talked about one of these things at least for months now. Uh, For some reason, I guess we just haven't really moved on it. But we have kind of two pieces. The first piece, we we are starting or we have started an American Toffee Discord server group. So if you'd like to join the American Toffee Discord server and i will post this link in the description as well as it'll be all over on social media so check social media or in the description of the podcast if you can't uh, if you can't take it from here you want to get it later it's invite.gg/atp and that'll get you an invite to the discord server therefore you can meet and talk with and hang out with american toffees from all over the united states and then furthermore james and and you're actually a new a complete noob to this apparently which blows yes. my mind but I think this is going to be a ton of fun. On top of the American Toffee Discord server, we are hosting an American Toffee Fantasy Premier League uh, League. Fantasy Premier League League. Yeah. <laughs> so we have the code. So if you, have fantasy, if you have the Premier League app, and if you don't get it because I want you to come be a part of our Premier League League, <laughs> uh, download the Premier League app, create your team in fantasy, and then use the code, and this is all lowercase, L three, five, six K I again, that will also be in the description, but nonetheless, James and I are super excited about it. You'll see it all over social media and I can't wait to hang out with all you guys and girls talk Everton and see who has the best fantasy team.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really cool. We're excited. Hopefully, you know, the, the Premier League League uh, fantasy Premier League is something I'm totally new to. I've played fantasy American football for several years since like middle school or high school. So I'm pretty familiar with that. This is a little bit different. Uh, You can make one team and then you can like enter it into numerous different leagues um, and you have like a salary cap and certain players cost a certain amount. I'm not totally familiar on the rules. So it's not like we're not like in a hardcore league. So if you've never tried it either, definitely a great time to jump in. I think it'll just be really good to, you know, kind of have a little bit of banter, build a little bit of community, meet some new people. And uh, yeah, the Discord server on top of that. Right now it's just me and Alex. But hopefully, you know, more of you guys will join and we can have a, some spirited Everton discussions and and help uh, maybe help, you know, get shout outs on the podcast and all that kind of good stuff.
0: Yes, every single week I intend. And James and the rest of you hold me to it every single week after the game week is over officially the last teams have played. I intend on giving a shout out on the podcast on the on the next podcast and furthermore on Twitter to the person with the most amount of points for the week. So hopefully that's a little incentive uh, for everyone to make it a little more a little more challenging. you know we're not going to do any sort of buy-in or anything like that so that'll add a little bit of competitive nature to it. but moving on James today, as we just talked about, we had the USA women winning the World Cup, but we also had the very first Everton preseason match of the 2019-2020 season. And it was against the Karyobangi Sharks in Kenya, and we lost on penalties.
1: What an amazing occasion. The first Premier League team to play on Kenyan soil. What an I mean, completely underwhelming game. It was a packed stadium, like some 60,000 odd people showed up to watch the match. Um, And it was quite the spectacle. The atmosphere sounded pretty amazing for an opening Premier League uh, or an opening preseason game. But the result on the pitch was kind of what you'd expect for the first time. The team is out for the year in any kind of organized way. The the lineup was fairly strong. I mean, we obviously didn't bring a lot of our key players there, but we had Morgan Schneiderlin in the lineup. We had... um, Tom Davies, we had Andre Gomez, Andre Gomez, and Umar Nias, of course, Mason Holgate. So, so some decent players, and there were a lot of substitutions. The second half, Marco Silva went with a mostly uh, most of the youth squad. There was unlimited subs, so I think everyone that was on the bench got a little bit of playing time, which is good. And honestly, the team looked much better with the young players on than they did in the first half with with the more senior players playing.
0: Yeah, I think part of that comes down to the fact that. All the young players have been playing together for years and years through their youth system. So I think part of that is just simply chemistry, because as we know, the the starting lineup was very makeshift, you know, a lot of fringe players and, and things like that. But furthermore, I think it, it comes down to just that energy and that I think a lot of them also just as terrible as it sounds, just had a little bit more desire to prove that they should be in and around the first team this year as opposed to being back down with the U-23s or out on loan.
1: Yeah, I mean these players, yeah, they're they're trying to impress Marco Silver. They're trying to say, hey, you know, I I want to stake my claim. I think I deserve a place in the first team squad. Have a look and see what you think. And I think that Joe Williams looked really good. He had the free kick, uh free kick goal, which was very nicely placed. And, you know, he's a player who's suffered from a couple major injuries injuries in the last few years, but has done really well on his previous loan spells. So could be a player that that'll be considered for the first team. Um, But yeah, it it is your, it's a good point. Like these players have been playing together for a long time. They have more chemistry and it is just a first preseason game. So ultimately the goal is just to have everyone come out uninjured. And unfortunately we, not only did we not get the win, but Adam Lookman appeared, came off after like 10 minutes with what looked like a thigh injury of some kind, which is really unfortunate because we all know and we're all, I assume, hoping that he's poised for a very big breakout year.
0: Yeah, you can see like the disgust on his face just because that was, you know, again, as you said, like eight, nine, 10 minutes into the first preseason match in Kenya, he got hurt, which is just going to further delay his preseason training and, and and getting match fit. So it's very disappointing. But something I found extremely interesting, James, and, and we kept seeing it over the last 24 hours on Twitter, apparently Theo Walcott was like the most anticipated player for the trip. And I couldn't figure out why. I mean, obviously, naturally in my mind, okay, he played at Arsenal for over a decade, I think, probably like eleven, twelve years. And so when you have the the star power, the the national the international brand recognition that Arsenal does, then obviously, you know, you will you will be more well known in, let's say, Kenya than someone like Adam Lookman would just in the next in the last couple of years being somewhat kind of prominent. But it's still Theo Walcott. So it was just it was interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is – I guess it is a little weird when you think of Theo Walcott as an Everton player, but then you also think, okay, well, if it's not Theo, then who else? Because we don't exactly have any global stars, I don't think. And a player like Adam Olookman probably – I mean, there's – I bet there's very few people – people who follow the England you set up and people who follow the Premier League very closely would know – but he's far and far away from being a, a household name. Even a player like Morgan Schneiderland, despite having played for Manchester United, um, may not even be as well known. Whereas a player like Theo Walcott, who is a several, I don't know how exactly how many England caps he has, but a really important player for Arsenal through some of their really the days when they were probably a little better off than they might be now. Um and they do have a pretty big fan base in Kenya apparently so it kind of makes sense but yeah it is a little weird to think of Theo who kind of now is we're, we're thinking we need to do better than him to think of him as like the the headliner of our of our squad
0: right and and speaking of headliners in the squad going to Kenya for this trip um, you know something that was kind of pointed out on Twitter which i found again interesting was there were some stars that did not travel and a lot of them have excuses as, you know, they're still on international duty, right? Richarlison, Luca Dean, um, Gilfie Sigurdsson got married and he was still with Iceland. So he got an extended break, just like I think Pickford did. Um, But my point is, there are others like Bernard who did not travel. So that's interesting. Hopefully he's not injured. Furthermore, and here's the spicy one, James, Kevin Morales. Think about it. God. He was not on international break. He was in pictures on the Everton Twitter, on the Everton website, in training, and he didn't travel. So maybe that tells me he's on his way out very soon. Uh, Players like, I had another one, but point is, players like Bernard and Morales did not travel. Oh, Ellis Sims. Ellis Sims, the 18-year-old that bagged like 40-something goals last season, who got his first professional contract. He was supposed to be in the first team uh, set up for preseason, and he didn't travel, which was super disappointing in my opinion
1: yeah it just would have been nice i mean we had um wow fraser hornby who actually played fairly well in the striker role in the second half this is just i refuse to make any kind of knee-jerk reactions to the first preseason game we lost on penalties to a kenyan side that i believe finished like ninth in the league uh in the kenyan league so it's not exactly a uh, it's not the 22 nothing result that we started off our preseason with last year but I was actually pretty impressed with how they played. They fought really hard. They had good energy levels. They gave us a challenge, and the crowd was behind them the whole way, which which obviously helped them. Um, but that being said, we've touched on it. It's just about getting the team fit. Not reading anything into the result. I would have liked to see Ellis Sims as well, but I'm not reading too much into even the personnel that were available because ultimately this was a marketing trip and with you know a runabout to to get the legs loosened up and get get some of that match fitness to start to return. But Overall, it just it's too early for me to be stressing about who made the trip and trying to read between the lines and figure out what's going on behind the scenes.
0: I guess that's fair, James, but I'm going to stress regardless, that's just who I am.
1: I'll let you have that, Alex.
0: I mean, I don't want it, but I guess I'll have it no matter what. So the last thing I want to say about preseason in general, Marco Silva had a quote, which I found interesting. And Marco Silva said, this preseason will be different. It has all been planned by me. There will be difficult challenges. It will be a good moment to make tough decisions and form a consistent group. That seems like a pretty cookie cutter statement based on preseason friendlies, but my point is, he talks about he opens up by saying it's going to be different, and it has all been planned by him. To me, you know, we talked about I think on the last time how, in my opinion, Andre Gomez could be that much better because he's going to have a full preseason with with the squad, and he knows how the how the squad or how Marcus Silva wants to play now. But my point is. What about how the squad is going to progress as a whole throughout preseason because he planned it? Do you think that that statement is kind of important? What does that say to you? I think
1: what he's getting at with this quote is that we're finally, there's there's a continuation of something now versus when it was just being started. And we left so much of our business, summer window business last summer, very late. And so most players weren't there for much of the preseason. So it was very difficult to kind of figure out what type of squad we were going to have. Now we've got our transfer targets all lined up. Hopefully those those will start to be finalized in the coming weeks. We'll have some more outgoings. Please get rid of Umar Nias, please. And I just think that when you have that that continuity with the managerial group, with the staff, and the players as well, that it just lends itself to you don't you don't have to stress as much about personnel and you can focus more about, again, team building, chemistry building, fitness first and foremost, and just making sure that you, you know, you have a vision for how things will go and and to execute upon that. And I think that's really kind of just what I, what I took away from that comment.
0: That makes sense. I could agree with that. I, I think it, I think it's going to be really positive overall. I'm personally not really worried about the result as you said either, but I think it'll be a solid preseason. And again, as we mentioned previously, I think the the stature of opposition is much more challenging than we've seen in the last couple of years too.
1: Yeah, and that's I think that's what he means by difficult challenges. Like he's I assume he was kind of orchestrating a lot of the the opposition and figuring out who we who we wanted to play. It'll be really good. It, we're going to have some good opposition. Usually like by the third or fourth preseason game we should start to hopefully see some glimpses of of what we're what we can expect come the beginning of the year and it will be an improvement on what we saw last year if all the indicators or everything seems to be pointing in the right direction. So uh, there's no reason not to feel optimistic despite the result today.
0: So let's move on to transfer news and then we'll wrap things up with transfer rumors. So, plenty of youth players have been offered their first pro contract. It feels, it legitimately feels like they're just announcing one new person every day. But top of my list is USA U17 goalkeeper Nico Hansen has been offered his first contract. Saw a funny comment on Reddit saying, you're going to have to shave your head because otherwise that's the only way you're going to succeed here at Everton as an American goalkeeper.
1: Spot on. It's always good to have another American toffee in the mix. Anthony Robinson got a few minutes uh, today, and honestly, I didn't think he was that great, but showed a few glimpses of that pace that he possesses. So another American toffee on a pro deal. He's got a long way to go, but I'll take it regardless.
0: Furthermore, and this is, it's it's a very... Bittersweet, pretty much, pretty close to sad moment. I saw this video and it kind of felt fake just because I have never seen Jagielka in a different kit, but it's kind of the fairy tale story. Jagielka has officially returned to Sheffield United upon them being promoted and his Everton contract running out.
1: This was just kind of a layup, right? This is as soon as it was announced that he wouldn't be offered an extension to his deal at Everton. That was the immediate uh, move that everyone jumped to. Like it makes perfect sense. They've just been promoted. He still has, I think, something to offer to a side that will inevitably be fighting relegation. So it's it's good for him. I'm sure he's very happy to kind of come full circle in his career and all the best to him when, when Sheffield United come to Goodison. I'm sure he'll receive a, a standing ovation. Um, and I, I really just hope he can, you know, I am sure he will but be able to actually get minutes and play consistently for them.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, a lot of people speculate that he probably can't play week in week out, which I may argue, but I love how it takes no, mar- no matter what. Uh either way, I yeah, I, I hope even if it's just even if it's just for the match against Everton at Goodison Park, I hope he starts for them. So, next up on our list, Sandro is out on loan again. It's not the that's not the deal we we wanted for Sandro, that's for sure or the type of deal, let me say that, to another Spanish side, Real Valladolid. de Lid. I don't know how to pronounce it. I butchered it. But nonetheless, you can bet your bottom dollar, pun intended, that his wages are subsidized by Everton, specifically because the Spanish side talked about how well they were treated by Everton in the deal that they made. Uh, so I would imagine that you know they probably didn't have 120,000 pounds to spend per week on Sandro either, seeing as he hasn't scored a goal in almost two years. There's
1: not a club in the world that's got the money to spend $120,000 a week on Sandro. We do,
0: James. We do.
1: We shouldn't. (laughs) But we do. we, We don't have a choice. There's not a club in the world that at this point would spend that on him. We're stuck with having to pay it because of the two years prior. Now having, yeah, like you said, not scored a goal and now probably going on almost 600 days total. It's... You're never going to find any you're lucky to get someone to take him in the first place and then to even if they're covering twenty five percent of the wages, it kind of as long as he's off this out of the squad for the season and has some of those wages off the books, I think that's kind of just what you have to look at with a contract that's just gone so, so poorly for Everton. You kind of have to look at it as a win. And we're going to be loaning him out until his contract is out, I think, because he's not going to want to take the take less money from the money that he actually probably deserves to earn no disrespect, but he doesn't deserve the wages he's on now. And he's going to milk it for as long as he can, as anyone would, if you found yourself, you know, if, if all of a sudden I got offered a job and they offered me like a five times raise, and i just sucked at the job but they couldn't fire me because i was hired for that long like i'm going to i'm going to milk that for as long as possible so you can't really blame the player it just comes back to the the mismanagement and we've talked about that for far too long so he's off the books hopefully he'll be followed by several other players who we need to per- get rid of on a permanent basis and and yeah it's just an, another player further progresses and gets us closer to where we need to be
0: yep and there is actually one other player since the last time we Recorded That is officially off the books, and that is Brendan Galloway on a free transfer to Lutontown, which is actually managed by Graham Jones, who was Roberto Martinez's assistant coach when he was at Everton. He came with Martinez from Wigan to Everton. He left when Martinez was fired. Martinez then picked him up to be assistant coach for Belgium when he was there, along with Thierry Henry, and now he is managing Lutontown and picked up Brendan Galloway. On a free transfer, I was optimistic.
1: Brendan Galloway is one of those youth players that kind of, when they're young and they show that little bit of potential, you envision a situation where they can make that jump to the first team. In reality, like so many others, he just wasn't able to ever really make that jump. And all the best to him on his uh, new adventure in Luton Town.
0: All right, James. So let's tra- let's let's transfer. Let's transfer to transfer rumors. How about that? Let's um, do it now to open up this segment. It was in a Liverpool Echo article today that Marco Silva talked about how he is very hopeful in signing Kurt Zuma. Now, to me, the way it read, it did not mean that he was hopeful as in he expects it to be done. I think he just meant that he hopes it could be done. But furthermore, he then mentioned that there are three or four other positions that they want to strengthen, which means that we could actually see quite a bit more business through the summer not just one or two key figures.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that was kind of just always the plan that we really needed to to sign several more players. We signed what six last six last window or last summer and then two were actually on loan. So, continuing to strengthen is important. The summer is the ideal time to get the business done. So, I think I think 4 to 5 is not outrageous. Um, But what is outrageous to me is this rumor that comes to us from the Daily Mirror in that Farad Moshiri has, quote unquote, ordered Everton's uh, leadership to look into signing Diego Costa as he looks to make some kind of statement signing for the summer. Alex, to me, this is just ludicrous for many different reasons, but I'll throw it over to you to get your initial reaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, if this was three years ago, then I would have said, yep, sign us up let's do it. He's he's very snide. At that point in time, he was probably close to, I would say he's knocking on the door of maybe fifth, fourth or fifth best striker in the world on current form at that point in time again. But at this point in time, he's been absolute garbage for Atletico Madrid. Uh, and he's, I think, 30 years old or so, just not someone we need. He'd walk into the club further. First of all, he would walk into the club acting like he's better than everyone else there. And that's not who you need in your dressing room. But second, his output, his goal output in La Liga was essentially non-existent last season, and that's not who you need for your quote unquote statement signing. Lastly, Marcel Brands would never go work at a club in which the owner could just tell him who to look into.
1: Well, yeah, it's just there's so many reasons why this is ludicrous. But yeah, you really touched on it there. Like I really doubt that Farad is making any kinds of orders when it comes to player signings like maybe he inquired like hey maybe we should look into this guy this would be like a big name and that's really what Diego Costa is at this point is he's a big name is he a big talent anymore you could argue that his goal return I think he scored like four goals in the last two years so that doesn't really uh jump out at you the age major concern the price tag he would come at also major concern like none of nothing about him. him signing for Everton really kind of checks any of the boxes of what we would expect from Marcel Brands. So it just seems like a ludicrous rumor that's probably being recycled from years ago because we were linked to him a couple years ago, tentatively. It doesn't make sense. And I pray that it does not happen because there are so many other better players that we could sign, even at Stryker where we're very thin and everyone's desperate and clamoring to bring someone in. Diego Costa is just not the answer to me.
0: Absolutely agree. I don't think you'll find anyone in the fan base. Well, that's not true. Uh well, I, I don't yeah, think you'll find most people would would think that he is the answer well
1: you, you saw on Twitter like I don't know how much you saw, but people are are acting like we're being high and mighty, saying we wouldn't take Diego costa and there's people ought to have him in a heartbeat, you know we need a striker, all that and while he may improve us in the short term, the wages he'd be on and the contract we'd probably have to offer him just it doesn't seem to fit the long term vision, and that's what Everton need to be focused on right now. It's not this year even although. Obviously, we want to do as well as possible. You have to take that bird's eye, long-term view, and Diego Costa would just be completely ridiculous, in my opinion.
0: Yep, and speaking of strikers, there's another striker listed. Now, we already talked about Moise Keane. I'd love to keep talking about him, but we're not going to, James, unfortunately. I'll just keep playing with him on my career mode on FIFA 19, awaiting that September release of 20. Now, Maxi Gomez from Celta Vigo, 22 years old, plays for Uruguay. I don't think he starts because, you know, they've got Suarez and Cavani. But uh 22-year-old kind of um, center forward striker at Celta Vigo. Everton have been linked with him. He's supposed to be an extremely good striker. However, it's then announced today by Sky Sports that West Ham met his release clause.
1: Yeah, West Ham seemed really desperate to sign him. There hasn't really been a ton of indicators pointing us to him. It just kind of seems like one of those situations where were used as leverage and likewise like West Ham gets used as leverage for for players that we're trying to sign I think I mean he's a a really promising striker prospect so I think he'd be a great signing but West Ham seemed to be all in who knows what's really true I wouldn't be surprised if we swoop in at the last minute and scoop him up but it seems like for 40 million I think it just seems like kind of a high price point I think we're looking for more of a maybe player who's not quite uh, not quite so much in the spotlight, and maybe we can scoop for a lower fee and develop more.
0: I have to agree with you. Although I do like, I like that play style, I think, and call me boring because the center forward is not exactly the most exciting striker to watch, kind of like, you know, the opposite in Yang running behind defenses and blah, blah, blah. But I think that kind of style, based on what we saw from Calvert-Lewin, is is what Marco Silva is looking for in in a striker. So I think that's actually much more realistic than most of the other striker links we've seen. However, I guess we'll see how it pans out. So another transfer rumor would be Dowell to Huddersfield on loan. Yeah, for me, I could totally see it happening.
1: But how much longer are we just going to continue to loan Kieran Dowell to championship sides before we decide that he just needs to go permanently? If anything, you would be hoping he'd be sought after by teams that had just been promoted or teams that are going to be end up fighting relegation so that he can make a difference in those teams. It's now been what, like three or four years that he's been on loan to the championship. Is that his level? He's still relatively young. And and I actually saw someone point this out. I think it might've been on Reddit. He's not really a player who's going to blow by you with pace. He's not a physical specimen. So maybe he just needs more time for his game to develop. But the more I hear about how great he is, the less I'm convinced that he's ever really going to make that jump. He just seems like another player who's very good in the youth setup and is bound to have a decent pro career in the championship or maybe even elsewhere in Europe, but is just never really going to get to the level we need him to be to make an impact on the first team. And I hate to say it because I had high hopes for him, but that's just kind of where I'm at with him right now.
0: I think I wholeheartedly agree. And it's it's super disappointing because I thought last year was going to be his year. He was heavily involved in all the preseason matches, or most of them at least, to my knowledge, or to my memory, excuse me, last year. And, you know, he's he's left-footed, which may sound stupid, but we have, I think, barely any in the squad, which Marco Silva has stated before, which makes it really unbalanced. Furthermore, technically, he's fantastic. He's got an eye for goal. His passing's pretty good, but it's just not happening for him. And, you know, this brings me to another subject that I found really interesting And I actually thoroughly agree with people complained kind of last season when Tom Davies didn't look the best when he played and he was being played uh, deeper as kind of like an eight, you know, kind of like a box to box midfielder. He actually said in an interview recently within the last 24, 48 hours, I think with Liverpool Echo, maybe that his best position he feels is at attacking midfield is further up the pitch, getting on the stat sheet. And if we look back to his goal against Man City, I could probably agree. I think that explains why he didn't necessarily feel like he, well, nobody really felt like he influenced the game very much from a deeper position. And then all of a sudden today against the Sharks in Kenya, he started at attacking midfield. So I'm thinking maybe that's our fix. Vlasic just left uh, permanently to Moscow. Dow's going out on loan again. I think maybe Tom Davies is our attacking midfield midfielder to back up Gilfie Sigurdsson because Gilfie Sigurdsson is not getting any younger.
1: No, but he still has a firm grip on the starting position, and it's worth it's worth noting, you know, that the Dowell Hartersfield thing is still just a, a rumor, so we don't know. He could very well still factor into the first team picture. It's a long preseason. There's a lot that still needs to be figured out, but yeah, it just doesn't seem likely that he'll be able to hurdle over Tom Davies and Gilfy Sigurdson to get any kind of time. And I do like Tom Davies in that kind of backup uh, attacking midfielder role. I do think he may be a bit more versatile than that. Where like, you wouldn't play Gilfie Sigurdsson in a deep lying midfield role really ever. Um, Although those arguments have been made previously. Davies just strikes me as more of kind of a, he can, he's a Jack of all trades in some, in some ways where he does have a bit of a physicality to his game. And um, he does do well with getting the ball forward, but he has said himself, he likes to play in those attacking roles. So, hopefully he can get some minutes there and we can actually see maybe what what Tom's all about when he has more creative freedom and uh more more just ability to to occupy those offensive spaces and get into those clever areas rather than trying to find people in those areas like you would when you're bringing the ball up from deep
0: that's exactly it hit the nail on the head there james and while we're on the topic of of midfielders i don't know how realistic it is i imagine it's probably pretty realistic but We're seeing reports that Joe Williams has multiple suitors from the Bundesliga and the championship in terms of being a transfer target. Now, as you said, he hit the free kick goal against the Sharks today and he looked pretty good in the center of the park. He's still pretty young. I think he's a little bit, I think he's maybe a year or so younger than Kieran Dowell. He could be the same age, but nonetheless, what do you think about those rumors? What do you think about Joe Williams in general? Do you think we have hope or do you hope that he can break into the first team this season.
1: Well, last last preseason, Marco Silva wanted him in and around the first team picture because he was actually really impressed with him and thought he had a lot of potential. And I still think that that's the case. Like I said a little bit earlier in the show, he did have two major, I can't remember exactly what they were, but I think it was a knee injury, and maybe an ankle injury that kept him out for like months at a time. And when you're young and you're right in those prime years of your development between the ages of like 19 and 22, those are major setbacks. But He's a player who's been really highly touted. He looked really good um, in his appearance today on his minutes on the pitch. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see another young English player being sought after by by the Bundesliga. Um, and I'm sure I, I really just don't see a way that he factors into the first team picture this year. So it does seem like a loan to the championship. Preferably, I mean, loaning our players to the Bundesliga, I think is, is really just a savvy move on our part because I think that they'll get a different style. Um, they'll acquire a bit more, uh, first team senior football in a different league. And it just, I think it can only benefit us. And if, if he ends up leaving for whatever reason, if he does really well and excels and decides he wants to extend his stay, I think we can make a decent amount of money off of him. So I think those rumors are probably fairly legit. There's nothing really concrete. Those are very vague, but nonetheless, um, I still think he could factor in, but it, it seems much more likely to be, be a loan, another loan situation.
0: And, you know, English, young English talent, as well as young American talent is all the rave in the Bundesliga nowadays. But I think you could actually make the argument, this is a little bit off topic, but I think you can make the argument that the Bundesliga is probably the second most competitive and well-rounded league in the world behind the Premier League. Bundesliga yeah, and Spain are pretty close. La Liga. Yeah, that's
1: pretty fair. That's pretty fair. I mean, you're, it's it is it's still a very top-heavy league. Not that there's really a single league in Europe that you could point at that say it's not top-heavy, but I think that's that's reasonable. I mean, it, it's they're definitely doing a good job with expanding their brand. They're doing a taking a similar course to the Premier League, where they're trying to maintain some degree of parity with the TV money that's coming in um, and things. You know, the general money. They're not trying to leave any clubs in the dust. So, I think that that's kind of their long term view is that they want to grow the brand. And I don't know if it'll ever take overtake the Premier League, but they're doing a lot to to grow the brand in in the U.S. specifically, maybe even more so than the Premier League.
0: Yeah, because they've got. They've got a TV deal with, I want to say ESPN Plus maybe, or is it Fox yeah. Sports? Yep. I don't know. It's been it's been changing like everything has. Uh, but I remember specifically the Bundesliga has been, although it's been behind a paywall for the most part, it's been more accessible in the United States the last couple of years than any other league other than the Premier League. Um, so that's an interesting kind of topic, maybe for another day. The only other point I wanted to make before we wrap things up, James, talking about all our young midfielders – Another central midfielder that played today that we did not get to see much last season, I believe, because of we loaned him and maybe he got an injury, but Benny Benigami played today also. He subbed in.
1: Yeah, good to see Benny. Again, not a player that I'm really sure will factor into the first team, but in his appearances, his senior appearances so far, he's looked relatively good. And it's going to be a long preseason, so there's a lot to still figure out. I think all of these players still have a chance to make an impression, to make a statement, and really assert themselves into the first team picture. I just think if we if we if we are planning on making four or five signings, then you're thinking that that probably pushes many of them out outside of the outside of the normal squad.
0: So my last question t- for you, James, and this this is kind of just on the topic of making these four or five signings. We know that they've already said very clearly, they being Marcos Silva, Marcel Brands, have already said that they are not looking to make signings to make them they're looking for signings that immediately improve upon a position in the starting 11. So, with this mindset, with how Everton has been trending the last couple of years in terms of the amount of money being spent on transfers, and this is a spicy question, James, so be ready for it, listeners, be ready. Do you think <laughs> do you think Everton is trending in the exact same direction as a lot of these quote-unquote big 6, big 4 clubs are in which we will not see as many youth players in the coming years? Coming through the setup all the way into the first team because our answer is going to be to sign players instead. So
1: I guess the answer to that question is yes. Whether I mean we really haven't had a ton of youth players break through our into our first team period. If I expect to, do I expect to see that decrease? I don't know because Marcel Brands seems to be the type that is really focused on youth development. And I think he really recognizes the value that you can get from a player that you buy for a few hundred thousand, if that pounds and then turn them into a star and really bring them up through the ranks. I just think, yeah, I think if we're looking, when you're looking to make those external signings, you're looking to improve the squad. We have money now. There's no reason we shouldn't spend it and try to improve the squad. And whether we're trending in the same direction, I think we're trending in a more positive direction than even like Chelsea and Manchester United at the moment because we have much more stability and established presence and leadership. And so I don't know, it's going to take a while to kind of see what I don't think that really many of this current crop, but but we've talked about it before. And this is kind of a rant, but it really is rare to see more than one or two players from any given year or every five or six years have more than one or two players break through from your youth setup because that's just the nature of playing at the very highest level is that it makes it difficult for players to make the jump and you, you'd you be more inclined to sign players from alternate leagues and bring them in. So to answer your question, yes, I do expect us to, to be more into the signing business than bringing in the youth. But at the same time, Marcel Brands, I think, has a very clear vision of what he wants the youth setup to look like. And I think we're going to it's going to take much longer for that side of things to kind of develop and play out than it will for just signing players on new deals.
0: Well said, James. I think that was a very well-rounded answer. I'm not going to ask you to cite your sources. I'll I'll just go with, I'll I'll go, I'll go with your word. I'll take your word. I'll give it, you the okay?
1: MLA. I'll give you the MLA citations. Uh, please
0: do. I, I never even knew how to do that in school. I just used the website, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever website that was. I used it, never learned yes, it. Easy bib, easy bib. There you go. Easy bib got me through college throwback man all right well thank all of you for listening again check the description check social media for the fantasy premier league code as well as the link for the discord invite come hang out come talk with us we're really excited about it we can't wait and we look forward to it
1: up the toffees
0: thanks for tuning into the American toffee podcast be
1: sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news, and we'll see you guys next time.